Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The injuries at Arsenal are mounting up. Who is even fit to face Brentford in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday night? We'll be looking ahead to that game, reflecting on Mikel Arteta's press conference and tackling your questions from the live chat on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the show. Hope you're all good. Hope you are all well on this Tuesday evening uh, coming to you live from the man cave. I was trying to think of some cool, quirky name to call it in reference to the name of the podcast. And yeah, I don't know why I tried to do that without any preparation. Uh, Got it horribly wrong. But anyway, here we are bringing you a live edition of the show ahead of that trip to Brentford in the Carabao Cup. Um, I'm not even looking forward to it, to be honest with you. I feel like the Carabao Cup is so far down in the sort of priority list for Arsenal this season that it feels like a bit of a hindrance. And I know that, you know, we're not in the Europa League this time around. Therefore, there isn't that much opportunity for the fringe players to get game time. And ordinarily, I'd look at this fixture and think, This is that. This is that opportunity to give those players some game time and to keep them fresh and up to speed. And maybe, who knows, I'm speculating here, but maybe had Jorginho had a game like this, for example, ahead of the North London derby, he might not have been as rusty. He might not have made that mistake that ultimately led to Spurs earning a point. I don't know. But anyway, hey, the problem is now is that because we've got a mounting injury list, I actually look at this and think, who the hell's even fit to play? Like I was sitting there a little bit earlier on today in preparation for this podcast, trying to figure out in my own mind who Arsenal's starting 11 should be, in my opinion. And I found it quite difficult. Genuinely, like I found it quite difficult. I've, I've managed to come up with A11, which I'm sure some of you in the live chat will want to shoot down. But yeah, it's not easy, is it? Anyway, as I say, on this edition of the show, we're going to be reacting to Mikel Arteta's press conference at the press conference that he gave ahead of the trip to Brentford in which he provided some injury updates. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the game, uh, how I think Arsenal should probably line up. Uh, We'll also uh, get into um, some of the latest transfer talk. Now, I know the transfer window is closed, but the Ivan Tony stuff is not going away. Um, I've shared my opinion on him. And um, whether I think that that would be a good deal or not is probably one that the more I think about, the more I would probably swerve. But um, we'll discuss the price that Brentford are said to want now, because it's not the 60 million that was initially referenced, according to new reports. Uh, We'll also touch on Ollie Watkins, who's also been linked with a move to Arsenal at the moment as well. Another player that doesn't, for me, fit in that top category of striker. Therefore, I would personally... Uh, stay clear of that one as well. But I'm interested to get your thoughts and your takes. I just feel like Arsenal 
should be aiming higher than that now. And maybe that's me getting carried away and, and being a little bit naive. I don't know. You can tell me what you want to tell me. Shoot me down if you like. But that's how I feel at this moment in time. Uh, a few hellos to those of you joining us in the live chat. hope you're all good and hope you are all well. Uh, it's good to see uh, so many of you with us as always. Let's kick off uh, by going through uh, Mikel Arteta's press conference, which, um, yeah, as I say, provided us with a few injury updates. We'd heard, actually, didn't we, yesterday that the Declan Rice injury is not one that's believed to be long term, which is obviously good news. Um some suggested that he would be um, available for the trip to Bournemouth at the weekend. I don't think anybody expected him to be available for Brentford. And even if he was, I'd, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys agree. I don't want to see him anywhere near that team, uh, to be honest with you. Um, there were updates as well on Martinelli, Trossard, Saka too, who of course limped off in the North London derby. So we'll get into all of that on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Don't go anywhere. Stay where you are. Right, uh, let's go through what Mikel Arteta then had to say earlier on this afternoon uh, ahead of Arsenal's Carabao Cup campaign kicking off at the GTEC Community Stadium on Wednesday. Um, on team news, uh, he was asked about Rice, Trossard, Martinelli and Partey. This is what he had to say. Declan hasn't trained yet. He could not carry on in the game. He wasn't comfortable at all. Hopefully, it's not something big. We are confident he's still uncomfortable. Obviously, he had to leave the pitch, and that's never a good sign for a player like him. But hopefully, he will progress in the next few days. It's a tough one. I think Mikel Arteta's right to make the point that Declan Rice doesn't ask to come off if Declan Rice doesn't have a serious problem. He's just that type of guy. If there was a little bit of discomfort, but, you know, he was able to push on and, and the physio does, as physios had had a look at half time and whatnot and decided that there wasn't a huge risk of inflicting further damage, then I don't see why he wouldn't have continued. But the fact that he didn't continue in itself just tells you that this is something that could be um, quite problematic. Now, I don't want to jump to conclusions, and I know there's a little bit of PTSD among the Arsenal fan base because of what happened with William Saliba. You know, think back to last season. He went off with an innocuous back injury, as far as we understood, and he ended up missing the the rest of the season, which was bad, bad news for us. And particularly at the moment with Thomas Partey out as well, we definitely cannot afford to be without Rice for any period of time. If there's one fixture in the Premier League, Bournemouth might be one of the ones that you would almost take that gamble and take that risk. But we haven't been playing very well. Um in the Premier League for the majority of the time, I would say so far this season. I think, you know, we've been good in spells of matches, but generally, like, I don't think the form is so strong that I'm confident we can go anywhere without Declan Rice, without Martinelli, without Trossard, without even Saka potentially, as we'll come on to in a bit, and just be confident that we're going to be fine. So when I put in the title, Arsenal suffer injury crisis, I know that some of you will disagree with that title. I actually think we're we're pretty close to that given the number of players that we've got missing. And I think Elliot from the Arsenal Vision podcast used this phrase. Um, so I don't want to take credit for it, but he called it, he called them cluster injuries, where you haven't just got an injury in a few positions. You know, we talk a lot about needing to have players, you know, more than one option in different areas of the pitch. And obviously that's what you do this for in case you end up in situations where people are injured and you've got 
uh, ample cover to come in and you've got players that you trust to come in and deputise. The problem we've got now is that centre midfield, we're without Rice and we're without Partey, our two best central midfield players, defensive midfield players, whatever you want to call them. You look on the left flank and we're not just without Gabriel Martinelli, but we're without Leandro Trossard as well. And, you know, when you think about that, it's a big, big problem. We talked a lot over the summer about maybe the need to bring somebody in to backfield Bukayo Saka because, yeah, we've got Reese Nelson and we've got Emil Smith-Rowe and various others. Fabio Vieira at times has played from those wide areas. But we don't have another specialist right winger and we've lost Bukayo Saka. Um, at least for now, he's not been training yet, as we'll come on to in a bit. But there is now question marks and doubt as to whether he'll be available for Bournemouth. On Leandro Trossard, Mikel Arteta said uh, Leandro won't be available uh, tomorrow, he says. Um, let's see day by day how he improves and whether he's got a chance for the weekend or not. He did some activity and that's where he felt it. He wasn't comfortable to carry on the session the day before the game and he hasn't trained yet, so he's not available for tomorrow. So Mikel Arteta confirming that the Belgian is out. Um, again, you know, there, there might be an element of Arsenal feeling like some of these players could potentially play some part at Brentford, but when you've got a Premier League game coming up at the weekend, you know, maybe you don't want to take the risk. I, I do wonder that as well. And listen, we take Mikel Arteta's comments when it comes to fitness, when it comes to various other things, I think always with a pinch of salt. So there's a tiny part of me that hopes and prays that actually the kind of the download that he's given us, the outlook from our end looks worse than what the actual situation is. I mean, we could be in a situation where Martinelli, Trossard, um, maybe even Saka all get back into training ahead of the weekend and are deemed fit enough to play some part. That would be a positive scenario. Um, on Martinelli, he said uh, tomorrow is uh, too short uh, for Gabby. Let's see if we will still have this for the weekend, but those players won't be available tomorrow. Thomas is still not available either. It's a long list, as you said. It's the same with Jurian. You know that one. And it's the situation that we have at the moment. We have to adapt. The squad that we have at the moment is really short and we need players back. That's for sure. So Mikel Arteta, I think, expressing a little bit of concern um, there as well. Um, he was asked about the mistakes and stuff at the weekend and, and the errors that obviously led uh, to the goals that Tottenham Hotspur scored. The more I see those goals back, the more frustrated I get with the whole thing. And listen, I don't want to I don't want to beat individuals up about it. I, I, I don't think that's fair. I think mistakes a part and parcel of football, as Mikel Arteta says. And again, it goes back to the point I made earlier on. If if some of these players, in particular in Jorginho's case, you know, let me be clear, regardless of this, it's a bad error and it's inexcusable. But, you know, you do wonder if had he played a Carabao Cup game, for example, had the North London derby been this weekend coming and he got a run out on the Wednesday before, you just wonder if he would have been, I don't know, in game mode that little bit more and therefore not as rusty and therefore less likely to make that error. I don't know. I don't know. Um, lots of talk about strikers when it comes to Arsenal over the past few days. I was on TalkSport 2 earlier on with my good friend Adi Oladipo and we were talking a lot about this because it's it's this thing that keeps coming up. And, and I mentioned it yesterday and it's driving me mad. I have to say, Arsenal only scored six goals less than Manchester City in the Premier League last season who have Erling Haaland at their disposal. Arsenal's problem last season, the reason Arsenal fell away was because defensively they weren't up to the standard. 
It was nothing to do with offensively. Yeah, there were moments in the season where you felt like the goals had dried up temporarily and all the rest of it. But generally speaking, we were a free-scoring side. And if you look at the start of this season as well, look, with narrow margin at Crystal Palace, narrow margin at Everton, fine. Um, But you score two goals at home, you should win the match. And if you don't, then you need to start asking questions of those um, you know, sitting sort of in the defensive positions and the defensive makeup and structure of the team. Yeah, you could make the counter argument that, well, we shouldn't have scored two in those games. We should have scored threes and fours, in which case those mistakes would have been irrelevant, not had any impact and not had any consequence on the output uh, outcome of the game, I beg your pardon. But still for me, if if a, if your forwards go out and you score two goals in a league game, more often than not, you should win that game. And that's twice now we've had a 2-2 draw at Emirates Stadium this season, which for me, um, it isn't good enough. Uh, let's take... Um, uh, uh, let's take a little bit more. Um, he was asked about being able to sort of call on David Raya for, um, for I guess, information and, and sort of insight into how... Brentford like to do things. Mikel says, we all train today. Uh, the lineup, though, I couldn't pick it because there are still some players that are doubtful for tomorrow. So we'll decide tomorrow what's the best team to put out there. At the end of the day, we have to go game by game. The importance is performing and winning the next game because that's going to help you win the next one. So just focus on that. He was asked about Bukayo Saka's fitness, and this is what he said. He said he was limping quite badly after the match. As you know, we had to get him off the field, which is never a good sign. He hasn't been able to participate in today's session. On if he could be uh, out of the trip to Bournemouth at the weekend, Mikel said it is a possibility as well. So, yeah, it's not looking good, is it, on the injury front um, for Arsenal? You have to say that. You know, there is cause for concern. Um, you know, there is there is worry, there is issues. And, um, and you know, you know what's going to happen. This is the thing, right? If Arsenal crash out of the Carabao Cup tomorrow, I can honestly say I won't care. Like, honestly, the thing that I don't want and the reason that I prefer us to go through is partly because, obviously, you want Arsenal to win trophies, right? But more than that, because I don't particularly value this trophy, not anymore. Um, but part of the reason that I'm desperate for us not to crash out and be embarrassed and all the rest of it is because the of the disproportionate reaction that we are going to get to that defeat. If we go to Brentford with all these injury problems, play a second string side, maybe even a third string side in some positions, and we get beat, no one would take that into consideration. There won't be any context applied to the analysis after the game. It will be, look at Arsenal. They're worse than they were last year. They cannot compete on multiple fronts, all the rest of it, blah, 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 blah. But the truth is, you have to think about how high up on Arsenal's priority list this competition is. And I would say categorically that it is bottom of the list. So I'm not I'm not stressed about the game. I just can't be bothered for the narrative that comes with a defeat. What I'd actually like is Arsenal to get through, some of the fringe players to have a, a good day, um, perform well. Maybe Kai Havertz get on the score sheet to shut people up about that. And Arsenal moving on and focusing on the trip down to the South Coast on Saturday. 
Anyway, we're going to take a really, really short pause and then we're going to talk a little bit about strikers because the Ivan Tony talk's not going away. Neither is talk of Arsenal making a move for Ollie Watkins, which we'll touch on as well just after this. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back along to the show. Hope you're all good and I hope you are all well. If you've got questions, keep popping them in the chat. I'm favoriting them at the moment so that I'll be able to go back to them a little bit later on in the program. Um, looking forward to, to tackling some of your questions. I've also uh, finished recording the uh, members mailbag episode um, and I, I just need to upload it. I have another chance to do it. I've had a crazy busy day. Um, so apologies for the delay on that, but I promise you um, that'll be with you guys uh, when you log on in the morning. I just need to make a couple of cuts at the beginning, at the end, tidy up a little bit, and uh, and that will be able uh, to go out to you all. Right, um, let's talk a little bit about strikers then, uh, because as we spoke about the other day, the Ivan Tony to Arsenal links are not going away. Um, do I think he'd be a good option? I think he's an okay option. Um, and actually... I think my mind has changed a little bit on this. So if you'd have asked me this a week ago, I would have been way more open to the idea of Arsenal moving for Ivan Tony than I am now. And there's a few reasons for that. So firstly, the more I think about it, the more I think that if Arsenal, having spent a hundred plus million pounds on Declan Rice, expect to compete at the very top table of football on the domestic and continental stages, then in my opinion, we need to be aiming higher than Ivan Tony, because I personally, sorry, I'm just messing around with this. I personally, God's sake, hold on. Here we go. That's better. I personally don't think that Ivan Tony's good enough for us. I mean, is he an upgrade on Enketia? Yeah. But is he an upgrade on Gabriel Jesus? I would argue no. People will point to the goal record. I would advise you to go and look at how many of those goals were a penalty kicks and then consider how many goals... Gabriel Jesus's presence and link-up play adds to the tallies of Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, Trossard and the likes over the course of a season. And then think again as to whether or not you think we'd be better off. Because I don't personally. That's my view on that. Um, I mentioned uh, in the show, I think we did yesterday, questions around his personality, which I still have. I mentioned um, that, yes, he'd give us an option to be a little bit more direct at times. But whether or not he fits into our style of play, generally speaking, remains to be seen. So the more I think about this over the course of time, the less for this and keen on this idea I personally am. And I know there'll be people out there that disagree with that, and that's fine. Um, if you are one of those people, let me know why in the live chat. I'd be interested to hear from you. I was kind of on the fence about it when I thought he would cost £60 million. But when I'm reading things today, like Brentford want 75 80 in some cases, it's been reported as eighty-five million pounds for Ivan Tony. I think to myself, the further we steer clear from this, the better. If there's anybody out there on God's green earth that thinks that Ivan Tony is worth in excess of seventy seventy-five million pounds, taking into consideration as well that come the summer he'll be in the final year of his contract, I don't know what to say to you. Maybe football's not the game for you because this is wild. 
And I don't want to see Arsenal um, sort of potentially hindering themselves in the transfer market moving forward. Um, you know, uh, to, to bring in Ivan Tony, basically. You know, that's that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Um, but yeah, I, I know, again, I know that people would disagree and that's fine. Let me know your thoughts uh, in the comments. Some people have referenced um, the ban. Uh, Goon Gang highlights the ban as well. Look, for me, the ban is not that big a deal for me. Obviously, there's a bit of a risk in bringing someone in for big money who hasn't played for six months because a lot of the time when you sign someone, yes, you're signing them based on what you believe they bring overall and potential and all the rest of it. But form is quite a big thing as well, right? And there is no recent form to go by on Ivan Tony because he's been out um, for a long, long time due to this ban. With regards to the offence itself, obviously gambling isn't allowed by professional footballers and people within the game. And I get that. And I agree with that. And whilst I think what he did was wrong, I'm actually quite happy with if he serves the punishment, just drawing a line underneath it. Because I'm a big believer in, yeah, people make mistakes. I've made loads of mistakes in my life, loads, loads. And if I felt like everywhere I went or everything I tried to do, someone would pop up and remind me of one of the mistakes I made or try and use it against me or hold it against me, I think I'd find that really difficult to deal with. So I'm really conscious of doing that to people. I think there are some mistakes that people can make that are unforgivable, you know, and that's stuff that's way more serious than the game of football. But something like gambling, the only person you're harming is yourself. You know, it's not like Ivan Tony didn't have any money and, and was borrowing money off of people, you know, and putting them in sticky situations because of his gambling problem. I don't think it had a knock-on effect on anyone because, as he says, um, you know, I don't even think his family were aware or had any idea of what it was up to. So he doesn't hurt anybody or anything like that. Um, and as I say, if he serves his punishment, I'm OK with that. Um, but I still have questions around whether that would be a good signing or not. This evening, there were some reports doing the rounds. Don't know how credible they are that Arsenal are interested in Ollie Watkins. And again, for me, this is one that doesn't really fill me with much excitement. Now, Ollie Watkins, a bit like Ivan Tony, is a good Premier League striker. But what's his ceiling? And I just feel like the next phase for Arsenal is, you know, not signing three or four players every summer, but signing one or two to complement the squad. And I'm talking about one or two, you know, elite players. And that's going to cost big money. Somebody like Ollie Watkins, who you'd be trying to take away from a fellow Premier League club, is going to cost you a pretty penny. And I don't think he's got the the track record or the ceiling for it to be worthwhile. I mean, I say that about track record. His track record is not bad. Just sort of looking at the numbers on a sort of top line here. In fact, I'll share the screen with you guys that are watching us live uh, on YouTube. And of course, those of you um, that are watching this back on replay, don't worry if you're listening on audio, I'll read the numbers out to give you some context uh, with regards to what I'm saying and, uh, and why I'm saying it. But I look at this now, hold on, let me just zoom this in a little bit because I think, It'd be quite difficult for you guys to read otherwise. Um, there we go. So if you look at his stats by club, Ollie Watkins, uh, during his time at Brentford, which was mainly in the championship, well, I think it was all in the championship, did he? I think he left Brentford before they played in the championship, If I'm uh, before they moved into the Premier League. 
I'm not sure. Was it the summer they got promoted that he left? I can't remember. Or did he have one season there? I don't know. Anyway, but put it this way. Um, these are the numbers. 143 appearances for Brentford, 49 goals and 17 assists. Aston Villa, uh, 125 appearances for them so far, 47 goals and 15 assists. And if you go all the way back to his time at Exeter, he got 26 goals in 78 games, along with 17 assists. But I think Ollie Watkins is a good player. Like, I, I do. I think Ivan Tony's a good player too. But are they in that bracket of striker that A, upgrades us on Enketia? Some would argue that they are both upgrades on Enketia. I don't know how much of an upgrade they would be. And B, are they at the level where they can compete with Gabriel Jesus because if you're going to go and drop a ton of money on a center forward surely you want to bring someone in that can compete not just for the number two spot but for the number one spot as well and I'm not convinced either of those two players that have been referenced Ivan Tony and Ollie Watkins are at that level and 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 that's just my my opinion on them and yeah I mean people will always bring up statistics and they'll always look at statistics I think it's more than that you know and I think the the role of the center forward in this Arsenal side is so complex there is so much to it. Um, and one of the reasons we were able to raise our level last season and going into this season was what Gabriel Jesus brought to our overall game rather than uh, it just being about how many goals he gets, how many goals he scores on an individual level. And I remember at times last season, there were people saying, Jesus is on a goal drought. And every time I'd go on the radio or every time I'd do a bit of work, someone would say to me, yeah, but he doesn't score enough goals. And I'd always say, you don't watch Arsenal every week if you don't understand the impact that he has. If you can't see that part of the reason that Bukayo Saka generates that bit of space very often when he comes in off of the right-hand side is because Gabriel Jesus occupies, pulls people out of the way, um, you know, plays one-twos and gets involved in exchanges with the players around him, then what are you watching? You know, we also see Jesus drift out into wide areas and take people with him um, sort of towards the likes of uh, Saka where he's positioned, which then opens the door for Saka if he can skip inside a couple of men to get into a shooting position. He's so, so important to this Arsenal side. And if you're telling me that we're going to go and get a Victor Osimhen, for example, and I know that's a big expensive one, but if you're telling me we're going to go get Victor Osimhen, then I'm like, okay, that's that's about right. If you're telling me that we're going to go and get Dusan Vlavic, who started this season really, really well with Juventus, despite what we've said about him in the past and, and maybe the ship having sailed with that particular opportunity, then I would say to you, go and get him then, because he is someone that I believe has the ceiling to be able to compete with Jesus, who brings you a slightly different option. But if you're talking Watkins and you're talking Tony, in my opinion, none of them are fit to lace the boots of Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, they might have superior goal records on an individual level, but I guarantee you what they bring to a team is a lot less than what Gabriel Jesus does on the whole. So, yeah, those two don't do it for me. Um, the two that come to mind, and I know they're going to cost big money, Vlavic is one of them, and the other one um, would be uh, Victor Osimhen at this moment in time. There's my maybe Serie bias uh, clicking in there a little bit. Right, we're going to take another really, really short pause and then we're going to turn our attention solely to the game at the GTEC Community Stadium tomorrow night. Arsenal take on Brentford under the lights in West London. Can Arsenal get their Carabao Cup campaign off to a flyer 
or will they crash out at the first hurdle? Big, big game coming up, and we're going to discuss it right after this. Welcome back along to the show. Hope you are all good. Hope you are all well. Right. Who plays for Arsenal at Brentford then? <laughs> Who plays? <laughs> That's the big question, isn't it? Because there are so many players out injured at the moment. Um, so many options that we might have turned to now unavailable because, as we mentioned earlier on, we're in this phase of what's being labelled as cluster injuries, where we've not just lost one player per position, but in some positions we've lost twos and threes, causing us all sorts of problems. I've tried to think about a lineup, and I haven't got a fancy graphic today, so I apologise for that. We will get back to doing that. Um, but yeah, just as I say, been running around like a madman all day. Um, literally got home with about 15 minutes to spare before going live. So didn't get a chance to draw it up. But for me in goal, it's quite easy. You, you bring Aaron Ramsdale back into the side as far as I'm concerned. Ironic, isn't it, that we go back to Brentford. David Raya isn't going to play, despite Brentford giving him permission to do so. Because um, normally the loan uh, rules stipulate that you can't play against your parent club um, unless they give permission in this competition, which Brentford have done. Uh, but I think it will be Ramsdale in goal. Another interesting point to note about the game tomorrow, by the way, is that despite the fact that uh, there are two Premier League clubs in action, that we're playing at a Premier League stadium, there will be no VAR um, because VAR does not come into this competition until a little bit later on. So, um, yeah, Ramsdale in goal for me. Back four was tough, really, really tough, because in an ideal world, I don't want Saliba or, or uh, Gabriel on the pitch. I just don't. Um, I thought Ben White looked incredibly leggy um, at the weekend. So I want to take him out the firing line as well. Um, Tommy Asu comes in. Jakub Kivior comes in for me. Then what do you do, though, in the instance that, you know, you don't want to play Gabriel or Saliba and you don't want to play Ben White because of what I've just said? Well, I don't want to play Ben White because of what I just said. I think we're going to have to compromise at centre-back and we're going to have to play one of Saliba or Gabriel. To me, it probably should be Saliba. Um, just because Kivior is a natural left-sided centre-back. Otherwise, I think you upset the balance a little bit. Um, look, in an ideal world, I don't want him to play either. But I'm, I'm struggling for alternative options in my mind. Tomiyasu, I'd have liked him to play at right-back. But then who plays at left-back? That's another issue. That's another question unanswered. You know, and again, if we keep Rob Holding, then Rob Holding plays uh, in this game and you don't have an issue at centre-back. Tommy Asu probably plays at left-back for me because of um, because of the personnel that we have available, because I think Mikel Arteta will want to wrap Alexander Zinchenko up in cotton wool. And then on the right, what do you do? You know, do you play Ben White, which I don't think is the right way to go. Cedric Suarez was on the bench at the weekend. Does he get the nod? Maybe he does. In fact, that's what I've gone for. And I know people are going to slate me for this. But as I said earlier, I really couldn't care less about this competition. For me, it's about giving people minutes that need them. It's about coming through it unscathed. And it's about, you know, moving past this so that we can get to um, Bournemouth on Saturday. So my back four that I've decided on is Cedric at right back. Oh my God. Saliba and Kivior at centre-half with Tomiyasu in the left-back position. Midfield was a little bit easier. 
Um, I think this is a really imbalanced midfield, but again, I don't care. Um, Jorginho sits at the base of it for me. Um, some people have said El Nenny. I don't know if El Nenny's ready to start a game of football. He's been out for a long, long time and hasn't had any minutes yet. I'd assume that Arsenal would want to ease him back in. If he was fit and available, I'd actually probably play El Nenny in this game. He's a steady Eddie. You know, I don't think he's a great player, but he is someone that, um, you know, that has, I don't think let us down much when, when called upon. When he's let us down, it's because just generally speaking, he's not been good enough. It wasn't ever because of a lack of application or a lack of effort or anything like that. But I just don't think he's he's fit. So my midfield, which again, I think is a little bit lightweight, it is Jorginho, Havertz and Vieira. I've then gone with Emil Smith-Rowe on the left. But now I'm starting to wonder if Emil Smith-Rowe should be playing inside with Vieira out on the left-hand side instead. So those two could, I guess, potentially rotate. Nelson on the right-hand side for me. And then Eddie and Ketia through the middle. That's the team I've gone with in my head. So let me just run through that one more time for those of you that are listening. Um, and, and well, for those of you that are watching as well, because let's say there's no graphic today. Ramsdale in goal. Back four of Cedric, Saliba, Kivior and Tommy. Jorginho, Havertz and Vieira in midfield with Nelson, Eddie Nketiah and Emil Smith-Rowe. Another alternative I thought of, which again, I don't know what people think about this, is what if Kai Havertz plays at centre-forward? Because we'd quite like him to score a goal, wouldn't we? What if Kai Havertz played at centre-forward? Eddie Nketiah went out onto the left flank where he started before for Arsenal. And Emil Smith-Rowe then, as a result of that, tucked into midfield. So you'd have a midfield trio of Jorginho, Emil Smith-Rowe and Vieira, and Ketia on the left-hand side, Kai Havertz through the middle. Maybe that is um, that is the way to go. Diagene says, risking Saliba is crazy. So what would you do then at centre-back? I'm curious to know what, what people would do because I don't want Saliba to play. I don't want Gabriel to play either. And... The reason I've picked Saliba in team over Gabriel is because we have a natural left-footed centre-back in Kivior to slot in. But we don't have a, a right-footed centre-back to come in unless you want to put Ben White there, who I think really needs a break. Needs a break more than Saliba, in my opinion. Or you put Tomiyasu there, but then you're stuck in the left-back position. It's really, really complicated. It's really, really complex. Does Mikel Arteta go even weaker and start a youngster that none of us foresee at getting the opportunity. I don't know. Maybe that's a possibility. You know, maybe it is. I'm trying to think, like, have I missed anyone out? Because this team looks awfully, awfully short for a side that we've been talking about as having lots and lots of depth this this uh, this season. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just scrolling through the squad list now and I don't think I've missed anyone. Um, I think that's that's pretty much about where we are. Anyway, um, so that would be my team to play this game. It's going to be interesting to see how Brentford approach it as well. I think there is a feeling um, among Brentford supporters that this could be quite a difficult season. Obviously, they're going to have to play the first half of the season without Ivan Tony for reasons we've already discussed. Um, Kevin Sharder, who was part of the plan to, not, not a direct replacement, but was part of the strategy to kind of cope without bringing in another sort of big time centre forward um, during Ivan Tony's absence is now out and needs an operation from what I've read today, which is bad, bad news for Thomas Frank and his side. 
I, I think that Brentford will rotate as well. I don't know if they'll rotate to the same extent. I don't know if Thomas Frank will look at it and think this is an opportunity to win, take a bit of a scalp and maybe, you know, give them the, the morale boost that they need after that really demoralising defeat at the hands of Everton at the weekend. Going to be really, really interesting to see what he does. But, um, you know, there'll be a good atmosphere there. There always is at the GTEC. I've been there, I think last season, I must have gone seven or eight times. I think I've already been there twice this season. Um, and uh, it's a great place to watch football. And as I say, I think the atmosphere will be pretty cool. Game under the lights. Arsenal coming to town. It's always a big deal. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Some of you have suggested Rule Walters comes in. Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if Rule Walters came in for one of the fullbacks, though. Um, more so the right back. I wouldn't be surprised if he did that, Mikel Arteta, because he has used him in that, or he has been used in that position uh, before. But anyway, uh, we'll see. We'll see. In terms of a score prediction, I'm going to go for a. Oh, I don't know. Um, I want to say Arsenal because obviously I always want to predict Arsenal, but I really don't feel it. <laughs> really don't feel it. Um, I'm going to say that we're going to lose to Brentford 1-0. How about that for a positive prediction? There you go. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's my prediction. I know it's not great, but hey, I just, I'm not feeling, it's not that I'm not feeling optimistic about Arsenal on the whole, but just, I feel like we took a bit of a beat down on Sunday emotionally. And it's partly because the expectations risen. I, I think I tweeted something along those lines yesterday. But at the same time, you look at the squad, you look at the injuries we're currently carrying and you, and you do worry a little bit. And it's really important that we come out through the through this period. If we do get a victory tomorrow night, like how much does that help us in terms of getting us back into that winning habit? You know, does it work like that? Because it's the Carabao Cup and it's going to be a really um, different looking side. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. Um, let me take a couple of your questions before we go. Uh, please do um, drop them in the live chat. Gets through as many of those as I possibly can. I'm uh, going to take four or five. Um, Cesar says, would you consider switching Havertz and Odegaard? I think it could be more balanced because our right side is more defensively minded, in my opinion. So I think in theory, that makes a lot of sense. And I get what you mean. So what you're saying is that because Ben White plays a more defensive role than Zinchenko and because Saka works back a lot more than maybe Martinelli does, part of the instruction is for Martinelli to stay high and keep that uh, width, by the way. So it's not a, a slight on him. But I get what you're saying. You're suggesting that if Havertz played on the right, where he could then cut in on his left foot, a bit like Odegaard does, that might suit him better. Probably. And as I say, in theory, that makes a lot of sense. But I would be reluctant to take Martin Odegaard out of the position in which he does his best work. And that is what I think would prevent Mikel Arteta ever doing that. Um, Junior Gunner says, Harry, I agree with your points, but Kai Havertz scoring a goal that bar is in hell. He clearly doesn't have the character or consistency to cement himself as a starter for the club. Well, he's got to prove himself now because for all the chat around Kai Havertz over the last few days, last few hours, all the rest of it, the truth is that Mikel Arteta left him out at Everton um, where Vieira played and played quite well for the most part. Um, and he left him out of the North London derby. 
which is one of the biggest games of the season. So you can already see that Mikel Arteta is almost acknowledging himself that this isn't really working at this moment in time. Said it on yesterday's show. If you've got a problem with the role that Kai Havertz is playing and that you feel that that role he's been given is causing an imbalance in our team and then problems sort of around him, then I think, yeah, look, Kai Havertz can perform at a better level than what we've seen so far. But I think you've got to look at the manager who's decided to take that different approach in midfield, identified Kai Havertz as the right one and put him in. It's not Kai Havertz, it's four. He's not going to say, no, I don't want to play there, Gaffer, or I don't want to play. So I think we have to um, we have to look at that. I always felt when we were signing Kai Havertz, and you guys that listen to this pod um, from back then will, will, will remember this. I always said that I thought he was coming in as someone that could provide support at centre forward, on the right, on the left, in the 10 position at times. But to come in as a full-time eight, which is what it feels like he's going to be, although I'd hope that when Partey and Rice are back available, that has a stop put to it. Um, then, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I just, yeah, to me, it's just Mikel Arteta trying to put a square peg in a round hole and and asking him to then play this incredibly complicated role to try and compensate for that, which is going to take a lot of work. And, and I think he's going to need a lot of time to master Russ Morgan says his habits already a flop. It's way too early to say that. I'm not going to sit here and, and call him a flop and brand him a flop. It's fair to say that he hasn't performed to the level that we hoped yet. It's fair to say that his inclusion in the side is prompting questions around the balance of the team. I, I agree with all of those things. But to use the term flop, I don't want to use that on our own players, man. Not at this time. Not at this point. It's like the narrative says we have to have a flop. First, it was Nicolas Pepe, £72 million Nicolas Pepe. Now it's £65 million Kai Havertz. Forget the price for a minute. Just focus on what he's bringing to the team. And I agree it needs to be more. Um, but let's give him a bit more time to kind of find his feet. I, I said this yesterday. People are judging him on striker numbers. You know, no goals, no assists. That's a disgrace after seven games. Some people will tell you. But he's not playing as a striker. He's playing as a midfielder. So judge him as you would judge a midfielder. What would you expect from a competent midfielder? What's Martin Odegaard got in the Premier League? Two goals? So he's not a million miles away from what Martin Odegaard's producing in a position that Martin Odegaard knows inside out and Kai Havertz doesn't. If you're going to look at it that simplistically and only look at statistics. Uh, Richie Tuff says, uh, are you working at the game tomorrow, Harry? I am. I am. So I'll be at the GTEC Community Stadium. Um, I'm going to try and do what I did after the PSV game, actually, which is bring you guys uh, the live reaction podcast from inside the GTEC so that you can get it nice and quickly. Um, and it saves me trekking all the way home from West London and doing it at some ungodly hour because everybody knows I'm going to get home at a bad time tomorrow because as much as Brentford isn't that far, it's quite awkward to get to from where I live. There's a few train changes involved, which makes it quite awkward. And I don't know what the trains are going to be like at that late time as well. So we'll have to figure that out tomorrow. But anyway, thank you all so, so much for tuning in as always. Much love to every single one of you. Thank you for subscribing, for liking the video, all the rest of it. We're still crawling towards that 30K subscribers mark on YouTube. So please, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the channel, like the video uh, if you haven't done so already. And I will see you all uh, tomorrow post-match, unless any other major breaking news uh, bestows itself upon us and we need to talk about that as well but yeah as it stands I'll see you tomorrow after the trip to Brentford take it easy goodbye
I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co. 